Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, starting at verse 27. O Jacob, O Israel, why do you say, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The second reading is taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the Gospel of Christ. short prayer before I begin. Father, as your children, we know that we should not burden ourselves with anxiety about the future or grow impatient at the way the wicked or unjust appear to prosper. Rather, help us to wait calmly for you to act as you have promised. And while we wait, allow you to mould us as disciples of Jesus and effective servants of yours. Amen. Well, today is the second in our series for the Seasons of Remembrance and Advent entitled Waiting in Hope for the Messiah, based on readings from Isaiah. And our emphasis today is on who you become while you wait. Now, as Christians, of course, we yearn, don't we, for Christ's second coming. But since no one knows when that will happen, we don't want to fall into the trap in the meantime, as did the newly converted Christians in Thessalonica, who thought that since Christ was coming imminently, they should just wait around and do nothing but enjoy life until he came. An attitude that could today perhaps be dubbed jacuzzi Christianity. You know, sit back and enjoy the bubbles. Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, put them straight, advising them to be holy and pure, to please God, 
in their daily lives, quietly minding their own business and getting on with their work so as to gain the trust and respect of others, particularly non-Christians. So while we are waiting, we are to be active and positive, to seek and discern God's plan for each of our lives. But during these last months, living under the shadow of COVID-19, we've had to amend our behaviour. And I wonder if that has tempted some to slip into the same attitude as the Israelites had in our passage from Isaiah chapter 40, which begins in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. It's almost a universal complaint, isn't it? Echoing down the ages. My way, my life, the difficulties I am encountering, all my personal issues are being overlooked by the Lord. My cause, there's a legal undertone here, so my legal case or my legal charge, which because it's mine must be right, is not being taken seriously by my God, who's supposed to be on my side. How unfair it all is. It's a victim mentality, or an insinuation that God perhaps is so high above us mere mortals that he doesn't care about his creation. But that negative thinking is countered by verse 28. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? God is everlasting and doesn't grow tired or weary. So in other words, nothing gets him down or on top of him as it does us. And the verse continues. His understanding no one can fathom. So he's wise beyond our comprehension. And rather than being too high and mighty to be bothered about us. He's actually too great to fail us. Verse 29, not only is he wise and strong beyond our ability to grasp, he in his mercy and love imparts his strength to the weary who turn to him in faith. And verse 30, even young folk get tired and young men stumble and fall. But verse 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And the sense in the Hebrew there is of changing something new for old, like putting on brand new clothes. And then comes that wonderful image. They will soar on wings like eagles in power and grace lifting above the earth. I imagined an example of that that I 
could think of in my life and I came up with a mundane one, so forgive me. It's the first time several decades ago when I, I flew on a jumbo jet, a 747. I got on this thing with about three or 400 other people and um, it weighs about 360 tonnes. I thought to myself, how is this thing ever going to get off the ground? We trundled along the runway with things bobbing up and down for almost a, uh, an interminable uh, time, it seemed to me. And then we just lifted off. And it was almost as if the, the power was being held back. We just soared. And I think that's the image that the Lord wants to give us. There's a power available to those who wait upon him that's greater than any possible opposing force. They will just soar. Going back to verse 27, the original complaint coming as it did from a selfish, introspective attitude cast doubt on the Lord's ability to fulfill his promises to the Israelites who felt let down. Yet here we see that for those who patiently wait upon the Lord and shift their focus from their own difficulties and misfortunes to him and all his many attributes, they will be renewed In other words, that waiting time, with all its admitted frustrations and challenges, can become a time of growth and improvement. And it's as if the Lord is saying to us, in the midst of our troubles, which we may have been enduring with all the determination and strength that we can muster, you know, the stiff upper lip and all of that. He's saying to us, I know you've been doing your best, but the effort has taken its toll on you. Your clothes are getting dusty and grubby. Here's a brand new set, imbued with my power, my grace, my holiness. You put them on and let me take over from here. We live in an age in which we've come to expect instant results, haven't we? Immediate replies to our questions. I've seen that in my professional career, which started in the age of telex, then fax, computer, and then, of course, mobile phones and so on. But I recall the wise words of Robert Townsend at the time computers were just coming into general use. He said, you must ensure that you have proper manual systems and procedures in place before computerizing, otherwise you just speed up the mess. And looking around the world today, one can't help thinking that might have happened. And just as the pandemic had forced us to slow down, to 
notice and appreciate the free, the simple, the beautiful things of life. We greet with jubilation the announcement of a vaccine and the prospect of all rushing back to the way things were before, which we call normal, and maybe forgetting some of the lessons the pandemic taught us. Who knows? But one thing's for sure. The prophet Isaiah was right when he advised his people to wait upon the Lord and not only renew their strength, but change it altogether. Swap it for a brand new model, an inner strength that comes from and is sustained by God, so that instead of stumbling, we will walk and not grow weary or faint. And whatever difficulties arise, we will overcome them. And like the eagle, rise above all our disappointments. Born on the wind, the Lord provides beneath our wings. This discipline of waiting on the Lord and trusting him, whatever our circumstances could be described as accepting his yoke, as Jesus explains in our gospel reading. See, with a yoke on, you can't race around, can you? You have to slow down. You have to keep in step. Let's look at those beautiful words of Jesus at the end of Matthew 11. Come to me, literally in the Greek, it's one word, hither. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the English translation, but literally in the Greek, it's a verb. I will rest you. How wonderful is that? The Lord himself will rest us when we come to him with our burdens, whatever they may be. So while we wait upon the Lord to fulfill his promises to us and his purposes for mankind, we can put on this yoke of Jesus, a yoke that contrary to our expectations will be light and not only not weigh us down, but almost bear us up and provide rest for our souls. When I think of a yoke, I picture a beast of burden, you know, water buffalo in the Far East, you know, with a heavy yoke ploughing through a paddy field or something. This, this is a totally different type of yoke. It's Jesus's yoke. Now, the Israelites, of course, as we know from most of the New Testament, were stiff-necked. They were unteachable. And what Jesus is, is saying to his disciples is, submit, bow down, so that you can put on my yoke. And with this unique yoke upon us, we can learn from Jesus. A lifetime's job right there. Why would we rush it? We've already seen from our readings 
that although God is far, far above us and stronger and wiser than we can possibly imagine, nevertheless, in his grace and mercy and in the person of his son Jesus, he's humble and he stoops down to us, yearning to share his strength and perseverance with us and teach us to become more like him in all we do. That's the reason for waiting on the Lord, the chance, the wonderful chance to sit at Christ's feet and learn from him. The chance to receive a strength transplant and ultimately a heart transplant from him that will enable us to serve him faithfully now and be with him forever. Amen.